Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MetLife Podcast. My name is Julia Kajiga. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Brent Sattle. Brent has been in the industry for the last seven years and joined Curo Financial Services, which was established nearly 20 years ago. Curo is a predominantly insurance business, which has over the last few years branched out into other areas such as full planning, specialists in hard to place insurance, and claims management, which is an area that we'll like to uh, explore today. Brent, welcome along. How are you going? Very good. Thank you very much for having me, Julio. Are you able to just you know, drill into what Curo is all about a little bit deeper, please? Sure. So as you said, Curo came about almost 20 years ago. It uh, was born from the merger of two sole practitioner risk specialists, one of whom happens to be my father. From the very start, one of Curo's core values was specialization. We've always believed that specialization will allow us to be great at what we do. And through this value, we've developed many centers of influence that fuel our growth. We've worked very hard at developing this expertise. For example, we do all of our product research in-house. We do not rely on any research houses for that as we believe we can actually do a better job. As time went by, we began to receive we began to receive inquiries from advisors from all over the place looking for assistance as we developed a bit of a reputation in the industry. And those inquiries generally came in the form of hard-to-place cases. And after helping advisors for a couple of years, we decided to branch out and actually make a business of it. And that led to the creation of Special Risk Managers, which is a brand, as you said, that helps people obtain insurance when they have chronic health conditions. The success of this business is solely down to us being able to leverage our expertise that I mentioned before, as well as the relationships that we've been able to build over the years. A couple of years after the creation of Special Risk Managers is when I entered the business. I actually started uh, working part part-time in the business throughout university and then went to work as an insurer for 12 months after graduating. And then I returned to the business full-time and became authorized uh, 12 to 18 months later. At the time of entering the business, the, the, the Trowbridge report was released shortly after. And given the concerns that were raised around commissions, we decided to look at avenues in which we could diversify our revenue stream. Having spoken with claims people at various insurers, we anecdotally believe that around 70% of advisors do not handle their clients' claims. It is something that we've always done as as part and parcel of our service, and it's something that we almost expected to be standard that everyone was doing, and we were quite shocked to find that out. Having Mm. received the referrals from from a number of different advisors over the years with regards to hard to settle claim. We followed a similar path to special risk managers and launched an independent brand called Insurance Claims Advisors, sorry, which specializes in claims management. And okay. so that's essentially the, how it all came about. Brandy, if I'm hearing correctly, whilst you're expanding to other areas, you know, insurance is still the core of it. And I know you started to do a bit of financial planning and so on, and you have over the last few years. But, you know, insurance is what sort of started up business and it's making it tick along. Right on, exactly. A couple of things that you sort of mentioned there that, that I'm, I'm interested in. I'm very interested in exploring the, the piece around claims that you mentioned because um, that is sort of unique um, and different to, to what's happening out in the market. Are you able to sort of dive into that one a little bit more for me and tell me how that part of the business works for you? So essentially, we assist non-clients in managing their claim for a fee. So when I say non-clients, it's the client for whom we do not service their policy. We've never received a commission or anything of the sort. Gotcha. Due to the nature of PPD claims specifically, uh, we, we've decided to go down the path in terms of 
pricing where we charge a tiered percentage-based fee. TPD claims, as you would know, are incredibly complex and the claimant is naturally out of work. As a result, we use a percentage-based fee that is based on the amount that the claimant receives. Okay. If the claimant is not successful in receiving their money, we do not charge a fee whatsoever. However, for income protection, we do charge an hourly fee dependent on the staff member that's doing the work. The, the reason this is such of such appeal to our to clients is because we do not charge a fee if they do not receive their claim, their payment rather. The clients and referring advisors have been very happy with this with this model and process. It effectively allows us to provide our service to all claimants. So any client that is a client of Curo uh, doesn't go through this process. They just mm-hmm. essentially go through you as a normal client. There's no fee charge or anything like that um, because they've been a client of, of your business. Is that correct? Correct. And and further to that, it, it, it adds a lot of value to that, that conversation with the existing Curo client in that we can sure. hand in heart say that you will be eligible for the service for which we charge a significant sum to people who are not clients. So that's really interesting, Brent. Have you got any particular examples of claims where you've had to get involved, um, you know, from whether the, a, a client's come directly or from another advisor? Um, and what sort of outcome you've been able to have with that? Sure. So I've got a couple of uh, examples and stories for you. Um, the first one I'll tell you is actually of a, an existing client of ours. So it doesn't necessarily meet that description, but it's an interesting one nonetheless. They initially had the trauma claim declined. The client had a squamocell carcinoma on their lip that was 2.3 millimeters deep. Insurers typically do not ever intend to cover skin cancers other than a melanoma. And the current PDS very clearly excluded the condition. The client's policy had taken out about 10 years prior to the claim and was upgradable. We went through each product disclosure statement that had subsequently been issued after the client took out the cover and managed to find one with weak enough wording that permitted the claim. We then managed to turn it around and the client received $320,000 after initially being declined. The second story I have for you is a client who had an incidental cancer known as a microscopic papillary carcinoma of the thyroid. No former contract really intends to cover this condition either. The, the definition of cancer in the product disclosure statement that applied to this policy referred to any malignancy that's characterized by uncontrolled growth. Right. When the GP and the oncologist returned their claim forms, this very question was asked and they both answered no, it was not characterized by uncontrolled growth. The claim was then declined. Due to our expertise, due to our expertise and experience, we know that this cancer does in fact meet this description. And the confusion came from the fact that although it didn't actually grow and spread, it is still characterized by uncontrolled growth. We then sought a second opinion from a subsequent specialist, yeah. who then which then led to the original doctor's changing their opinion and redoing their forms, the client then received $670,000 on their trauma claim. As you can imagine, both of these scenarios led to client, these two clients uh, receiving life-changing payments and becoming incredible advocates of ours. Unless you're a, a true specialist in, in that space, you may not look to, to, to take that further. And I think the other side of it is, um, you know, you, you're charging a fee for, for this, and I assume that the client initially with a decline was able to get this over the line, so they'd be happy to sort of 
pay a fee for that to, to get the, you know, the $770,000 claim paid out. It's, it's, it's a truly fantastic feeling for both ourselves and them. And the fee is never in question because of the fact that our expertise has really resulted in them receiving this money. Yeah, good outcome. Well done. If, um, you know, if I'm an advisor um, mm-hmm. and I have a tricky claim, it might not be, I might not be the most um, efficient or, or have the most expertise in that area. And I'll be interested in sort of maybe getting you guys involved or, or someone else, whoever that might be. I guess one of mm-hmm. my concerns would be around, I want to make sure I keep that client going forward because they're a client of mine. So how do you guys mm-hmm. sort of tackle that? Sure. So I think at the heart of any advice practice that relies on centres of influence, regardless of where those centres of influence come from, is integrity and the commitment that you will never speak to the client about anything that the referring advisor may be able to offer them themselves. These relationships are central to the success of our businesses. As a result, we never want to tread on anyone's toes. And the clients also respect that as well. Naturally, some of these clients will then come to us and ask for some planning advice. And we'll say, you better go back to your advisor, Joe Bloggs, and, and run this by him to see if, if he can assist you with this because sure. you know, he's introduced you to us in the first instance. And I assume if, if, if uh, a particular advisor wanted to, you'd be happy to sign something as well to, to make sure that's in, on paper and so on, uh, although it doesn't seem to be much of an issue anyway, but uh, I assume you wouldn't have any issues with that. Most certainly. We're more than happy to engage in a formal referral arrangement that precludes us from doing so. Uh, I'll also say that as you touched on, we have also diversified into the, the planning space and we have a specialist advisor who looks after that. And our existing centers of influence are, are often offering planning as a service of their own. And it has not changed a thing on their end with them knowing that we actually offer this service too, because our integrity is primary to everything that we do. Look, obviously, like I said at the start, you know, the Curo has been around for years in the re-space, um, and obviously, you're now branching out into other areas, and you have for for a little while. And I'm just interested in understanding the thinking around um, why you've gone that way. As I touched on before, the Trowbridge report, everything that's surrounding commissions is what what sparked this all. Um, firstly, I'll say that the claims management side of the business is the most fulfilling and rewarding aspect of what we do. Everything that we do beforehand is ultimately to prepare for this, and there is no greater satisfaction in being able to deliver the news that changes someone's life. Secondly, with the threat to commissions, we are looking at ways of diversifying our revenue streams to attract more fee-based business for obvious reasons. Claims management is a fee-based revenue stream that leverages our existing expertise and relationships, and therefore it's a natural progression for a risk specialist business. Um, Finally, as commissions continue to reduce and more advisors stop offering risk advice, there are more and more unadvised clients in the market and subsequently more and more unadvised claims. So unlike the risk market, it is actually a, a, a growing market and one that is growing quite rapidly. And you know, it, it allows for us to offset what might be happening on the other side of the business. The opportunity is involved. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a good way to think about it and good strategy for, for you guys, Brent. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Look, um, just finally, what plans have you got for that side of the business, the claim side of the business in the site, short to medium? Over the next 12 months, we are going to look at engaging in, in 
extensive marketing for the business. So at, until this point, it's really been reliant on referrals, word of mouth, so on and so forth. However, we are going to be making a bigger push in the direct-to-consumer space. And ultimately, as we have been successful in doing with special risk managers in being the preeminent brand in, in some standard live, we are looking to do the same in the claims management space. And we see that as a long-term uh, key part of the business that is going to continue to grow with significant opportunities ahead of it that will ultimately form a very considerable part of the business. So, look, um, I think we'll probably leave it there, Brent. But for, for, first, I just wanted to thank you uh, for your time. Um, Look, I think it's been uh, really interesting to hear about you and Cural and what the business is doing, um, some of the strategies you put in place to diversify uh, your business into other areas uh, as a result of you know, some of the changes in the industry. They're, they're really interesting parts, and I'm sure everyone listening will enjoy hearing about how you're approaching that. So once again, thanks very much, Brent, and I hope everyone listening to this podcast uh, enjoyed today's MetLife podcast. Much for having me, Julio, and I uh, look forward to uh, speaking with you again. You've been listening to the MetLife podcast. To find out how you can partner with us, please visit metlife.com.au. This podcast has been prepared by MetLife Insurance Limited and intended for advisor and internal use only and should not be provided to clients or attributed to MetLife in any advice provided. This material is intended to provide general information only and has been prepared without taking into account any particular person's objectives, financial situation or needs. Any general information contained within or given during this podcast is not intended to be investment or financial advice nor a recommendation to invest in a financial product or undertake any particular strategy or course. In accessing this podcast, you agree to MetLife's podcast disclaimer terms found at metlife.com.au.